Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We're back at day two of the New York State High School Football Coaches Association Clinic, and I'm sitting down with Nate Milne, who's the head football coach at Muhlenberg College. Coach, great to, to be able to talk to you here live in person back at this event, and um, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, great to be back. I grew up in western New York, uh, Jamestown High School, and so this is actually my first time speaking at this clinic. I've attended it a few times. Uh, and now uh, to be speaking here is, is, is really, really cool to be back. Yeah, it's such a great clinic. I, being from Ohio, didn't really know about this clinic much, but I've, I've been impressed. This is the second time for me being here. been really impressed with uh, how it's run and, and really the, the quality of the speakers who are here and really what they get into. I mean, they've, they've you know, and the ones I've been able to sit in have shared some great stuff here. Yeah, Greg does a great job. Uh, Greg Sirico has done a wonderful job, I think, finding – unique coaches, finding that New York niche, uh, and then obviously our host here, Turning Stone, has, has a wonderful venue that allows us to, to have all the technology and the space uh, to really put on a good show. You guys are having a lot of success at Muhlenberg, and you know, a, a, a team that is constantly in the playoffs and, and battling some of the, the usual suspects who um, seem to be you know, playing deep into the season, too. It's been fun to watch. I mean, I, I love watching the Division Three playoffs. I think it's great football. I haven't been a Division Three coach myself. But, you know, for you, as you look at, you know, getting to this point now, being the head football coach, who were some of your influences that really, I guess, helped you along, maybe taught you some important lessons that became part of who you are today? Yeah, I had a great background. Uh, really fortunate. Played at Hobart College for Mike Craig, who's the school's all-time winningest coach. Uh, coached under Dan McNeil, who's the school's all-time winningest coach at SUNY Cortland. Worked under Steve Briggs, who's the school's all-time winningest coach at Susquehanna. And then worked uh, for Mike Duke Donnelly at Muhlenberg, who's the school's all-time winningest coach. Uh, so I had, at the Division Three level, Again, I feel like you couldn't be set up for more success than working for or playing for four coaches who are the school's all-time winningest coach. They all had a unique approach. Uh, they all had their unique stamp, uh, offensive guys, defensive guys. And so uh, to, to take a little bit from each of those and now kind of put my own spin on it has been a process, but also really, really rewarding uh, as well to learn from such wonderful mentors. Yeah, when you look at some of the things that uh, they've they've taught you or a lesson or two that sticks out that you know you you still see yourself doing those things today what, what comes to mind 
I think it's our approach to recruiting is probably the first and foremost because they were all different institutions, uh, high academic, public, bigger schools, smaller schools. And so uh, I think when you take a look at how they built their programs around the institution, I think that maybe goes unknown, especially to high school coaches or people watching from afar. Each institution is unique, shaped by their academic majors and their presidents and the administration and the alumni who have come before them. And as a football program, you need to fit that mold mm -hmm. and find which, it's not just finding the best player. We all want the best player and sure. the Heisman Trophy winner and an NFL prospect, but are they going to meet what the college needs from an academic standpoint, from a personality standpoint. Uh, there's a DNA approach to that. Uh, Cortland is vastly different from Susquehanna, which is vastly different from Muhlenberg. Although they may look the same and Division Three football may feel the same, they're, they're all really, really unique places. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I know in recruiting at the Division Three level, I, I always like to spend time with the people in admissions and understand what are you guys looking for because if we're look, not looking for the same thing as far as the student goes like we're gonna have issues right we have to be in line and understand that and that that'll help you because that's a division three is a you're casting a big net right and when you can say okay this is what our, our profile of a student here looks like it's really gonna help you what is our niche how do we find them how do we land them yes. and and all three of those are critical questions, um, and you can't have one without the other. Definitely. Well, you're speaking here on multiple play action concepts, and you know, play action, I think for a little while, as RPO came to the forefront and started trending, and especially like third level RPOs where guys are trying to throw it down the field play action seemed to disappear out of a lot of offenses but you know if even if you are a heavy RPO team I I believe at least that play action is still a smart thing to do because it is not the same as saying well we run RPO and it's run pass it, it serves different functions uh, especially if you're looking at not talking about the third level stuff I mean this is where you can take some some chunks out it, of the defense it's massive we are I'm, I'm the head coach, but I'm, I'm still the offensive line coach. And so we're going to be a run-first football team. And so how do we put defensive players, defensive backs, and uh, linebackers in conflict, right? And I think that is philosophically the same as an RPO. We're putting somebody in conflict. In some ways, I think this makes it a little bit easier on the quarterback. He's not actually reading anybody. We're giving the illusion of running the ball. And where is the conflict player? Who do we want to attack? And then it's a pass concept off of it. So we're high-lowing that individual. We're in and outing those individuals. And then to your point, uh, if we feel like we've got something schemed up and we want to take that shot, we're not going, well, did he do this or did he do that? No, we're going we're gonna to run the play action, and you're throwing it deep. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and our guy's either going to go make the play or he's not. Um, and so it takes a little bit off of the players and puts it more on us as a coaching staff in those situations to get it right uh, from that standpoint. And, and we say we want to have a play-action pass for every single run that we carry in our offense. They may not be identical. Uh, they may not be uh, perfect, 
Uh, but all we're talking about um, in, in one of the coaching points is giving the illusion of that run. Um, and then it allows your offensive line to play faster. When we move the pocket and, and get defenses off guard, uh, it puts them in conflict on their blitz. Uh, everybody has their blitz gaps and their sound when you're drop back passing and the linebacker's gonna run through the A-gap. But now we run our play action pass and the A-gap just moved four yards. Is your linebacker still in that A-gap or, or is he off now and now the defense has become gap unsound in some of those situations or if they're playing cover three and their backers are out of the picture now they're not as sound as they were in coverage in there so I think it's it's been really really good for us I said I've given this talk I feel like eight or nine times now and I'm waiting for this revolution to happen uh, and one of the first things I'll talk about is if you're not doing this I don't know why especially yeah. at the high school level and this is mostly high school coaches here we don't all have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. And so this is many times a five or six yard throw. We've got more six yard throws that become 30 yard throws than maybe anybody in America. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely helpful to have those packages for your quarterback, really a, any quarterback. I mean, there's, there aren't even at the highest levels, those guys who can just drop back in the pocket and throw the ball over pl the place consistently without having other tools like this is part of what they do. You see even even the best teams with the highest rated passers, they're play action heavy. They are, and or their quarterback is scrambling right. <laughs> uh, on there. So if, if he's going to scramble anyways, we might, we might as well design it so then the offensive line isn't going to get called for holding or they're not beating themselves up wondering where they went wrong when the quarterback does scramble. As the offensive line coach, the, the guys come over a lot of times and say, what happened? Why did he get out of the pocket? And then you got to tell them that your left guard's getting his tail kicked in by the three technique, and so we need to do something else. And so it's good to have that in the back pocket. Yeah, with the guys up front, um, and you said you're going to attach it to every run. So what are some keys for you to, to be able to put those guys in conflict so that run looks like pass, that, um, you know, just because it's, it's play action, guys – aren't maybe giving away with a higher hat or anything like what are the things you're really working with these guys to make sure that it it looks the same as the run sure the first slide in the presentation today is you should play faster than you do in the run right when when an offensive lineman is working a zone combination or a power double team inherently they're working to somebody else did the three technique move are we getting thick on that double? Where's the linebacker scraping over top? And so sometimes there's some thinking and some movement involved in the run game. And so they don't play, maybe there's physical, but maybe they're not playing quite as fast. With this, the thinking's gone. I'm going to the A gap, I'm going to the B gap, and we are running to our left or our right as fast as humanly possible. And so when the defense sees that, they're reacting to run maybe even faster than they did. They're going, oh my God, this is downhill in, inside zone. I've got to fill that A gap right now. Holy cow, these guys are on me. And we may or may not tell our offensive linemen to climb downfield a, a little bit, similar to the RPO game. And then we have them work back. And so when they see downfield movement by the offensive line and that they're climbing to a linebacker, the linebackers and secondary players naturally have to react uh, as well to that. When they see surge out of the offensive line, they've got to respect that stuff. Yeah, what's the coaching point 
um, especially those guys who don't ha maybe have a, a piece of contact on somebody and they are climbing to make sure that they're not going past the, the point where they're going to get that flag. Wow. We teach it as you just got to be back to the line of scrimmage before the ball's thrown. And so this is, I, 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 I've been doing this for, for seven or eight years now, and I call it the soon-to-be world-famous freeze technique. And I'll talk about it here as well. Nobody seemed to pick up on it, and it's not really world-famous after eight years. So maybe after, after this it will. We tell them to run downfield touch the linebacker and run back to the line of scrimmage and so the, the penalty is thrown when the lineman is downfield when the ball is thrown right and so if they touch the linebacker and get back it's pretty much a loophole um and so we're not getting called i don't know if it's technically legal but they're not calling it because they're not actually downfield when the ball is thrown we teach it, and I got a couple of clips on here that are really good over the past few years where you see our, our guard slap a linebacker and he sprints back to the line of scrimmage, and it looks ridiculous on film, but then the quarterback is out of the pocket and he throws it, and we're not illegally downfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to slip in and watch that one. I want to see that technique. Maybe it's, it will become world famous. Maybe it'll become world famous. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. And if not, somebody in the NFL or college football is going to make it. A, a, a point of uh, contention next year or a point of emphasis and they'll ban it um, on there if we think <laughs> all it's, good if, things right? if we think it's too good sort of like the uh, the Kenny Pickett fake slide and, and all those types of things if they can call this the, the, the Muhlenberg rule I don't know I'll probably retire <laughs> in, in looking at conceptually and putting things together again you said having uh, every run with a pass concept well obviously you want to be efficient in teaching too. Everything has to fit together somehow. So what things do you use to create that structure for your play action game? Yeah, so we'll install the play action uh, pretty much on the same day that we install the run play. So if we've got a gap run going in, uh, we want to run uh, one of our boots or one of those ones where we're moving a guard so that they're, they're, they're kind of segmented together. So the guard knows on Tuesday, uh, day four of install, I'm pulling almost all day long today uh, mm -hmm. on there. And then maybe our verbiage uh, will be similar uh, in there uh, as well, so they know it's a fake run and or they know what our gap schemes are called and what our zone schemes are called, and, and it's a play on words in some of those situations there. With the concepts that you guys are, are putting with that with your receivers, how is that streamlined for you or, or packaged or put together conceptually? Yeah, we're going to try to do same as, same as in so many situations. Um, so whether it is uh, our keeper game or our boot game where we're moving uh, some offensive linemen, uh, we have the ability to tag those routes so that they're the same. We, we it's, it's a protection variation for okay. us. It's not necessarily an entirely new route concept or route package we do have the ability to do that so they're almost separate entities right you're going to install the pass concept one way and you're going to install the protection the other way and so if we like our comeback slide deep over we can end up doing that a couple of different ways out of different protections and if we just like a certain protection that week then we'll marry up some of the routes that we really want off of it, whether it is, uh, again, that comeback slide, whether it's post-wheel, whether it's post-wheel comeback, whether it's a smash combination. We will kind of uh, marry those up in whatever way we think is best that week right. against that opponent. So we like 
do we like the protection or do we like the concepts off of that kind of stuff? And then that allows us to, again, be relatively simple for our players in a week-to-week basis. You're probably going to see the same routes and concepts from Muhlenberg, uh, but what it looks like from a protection standpoint may be a little bit different that week, and then maybe that'll conflict those linebackers a little bit differently in there. Shifting gears here and, and looking at you know, building your program, we've, we've mentioned the success of your program. You mentioned to me before we got going that uh, a big part of that and being able to you know, build your guys, create this camaraderie, you know, get some competition is the Europe trip. And I know that it's something that um, you know, Division three schools look to do. Uh, I always wanted us to be able to get a, a European trip together, but I think it's got to be a unique experience, but also I'm sure in the whole scheme of things, it's it's great to help you build your culture too. Get them off campus, show them the world, yeah, and and do some things there. There's been no downside to it for us. Again, as I mentioned, really at the beginning, it fits with Muhlenberg institutionally. We want to be a national college. We want to be a national and international college, and so many of our students have the opportunity to go abroad and it's really, really difficult for our student-athletes to do that. So this was an opportunity for us to kind of blend our football program and the values of of Muhlenberg College as well. So we've taken two trips. We've gone to Italy in 2019, and we made a a Final Four run uh, after that. And then this past season in 2022, in the spring, we went to Spain. Both unique trips, both really wonderful. And then they've been great recruiting tools for us, right? You talk to a parent, you talk to a mom, you talk to a dad, you talk to a student athlete, and you can say, this makes our program unique. Yes. What other program are you talking to that's going to play a game in Italy? What other team are you talking to that's going to play a game in Spain? And so it's been really beneficial from a recruiting standpoint. And it's opened up some doors for us. Uh, Ryan Curtis is an All-American tight end for us, and he now plays for the Lazio Ducks in Italy. And then Thomas Jenkins, who's a wide receiver for us, uh, he'll be playing in Germany this year as well. And so now we've, we've kind of opened up those doors for some of our student-athletes to go play abroad. It's not big city bright lights of the Super Bowl, but nonetheless, to, to make a living, to go see a foreign country, and to continue your career, I think, at any level is, is really, really special. Definitely. When you look at those trips, you've done two of them, as you mentioned, what do you feel like, I mean, this activity or this thing we do is something really that helps move us ahead as, as far as building the bonds, building the culture, et cetera? Yeah, I think it is. It's that camaraderie that we build. It's connecting maybe even with our parents on a different level as well, seeing them outside of Saturdays or in a recruiting trip, right? We see our student athletes every day, but we don't see our parents every single day at a college. We've had one really unique experience when we were in uh, Italy. Uh, We went to, uh, we were going to the Coliseum and we went to what was called gladiator school. So they had some uh, ex-military from the Italian army over there and they were teaching us all about gladiator school. And then we we went into a mock Coliseum there and they set up these like kind of mini war games and our players had shields and battles and armor and stuff like that and and I feel like some of our players uh, got different levels of angst out on one another you know if they were on the same side of the ball but now they're on different teams and so that was kind of one of those moments where you say 
this was really, really cool. And, and it was one of those where it was a moment that our players and our student athletes and their families will, will never forget as well. And then when we were in Spain, it was really hard living uh, for us over there as we took a, a four-hour catamaran cruise of the Mediterranean and we were able to swim in the Mediterranean Sea. And so I think that was something that, again, our players will never forget. You're out there in ancient waters and, and traveling off the coast of Barcelona. And so it was, it was really, really unique for our players. I don't know how many other people have done that. Yeah. And so for us to have that opportunity was, was really cool. Well, definitely a unique way to develop your program. And as you said, set yourself apart in, in recruiting. And we were talking about coach development too. And you know, a lot of what we do to develop as coaches never stops. But there's always some things early on we can do, I think, to uh, I guess set up ourselves up for success later. And, and one of those things you, you pointed to before we got going was coaching more and coaching different positions. And I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I remember I graduated from Hobart College in 2003, and I had just taken a job at Hamilton College. And I needed to make a little bit of money. So like most young coaches, I signed up for as many camps as I could. And the first camp I ever worked was uh, the Grady Venue Vermont All-Star Camp in Burlington, Vermont. And I didn't know anything. And they said they needed a guy to coach running back. So I said, okay, I'll coach running backs. I played offensive line, I'm 22 years old, I don't know anything. And I remember looking out of the corner of my eye, at, I forget where the coach was from, but he was older than I was, so I assumed he knew something and he was setting up drills. And so I just kind of mimicked what he did. And then afterwards, you find yourself coaching some things and you listen to people. And so I thought that was great. I coached a different position from what I knew. And then the next week, it was a two-week camp and it was a different location. The next week, they said they needed a tight ends coach. So I said, sure, I'll coach tight ends. And so at a young age, I was able to get outside of my comfort zone in a maybe non-pressure-packed environment, right? When the game is on the line or when you're coaching for your college or high school, that's critical. At a summer camp, it's about maybe a player's development. It's about, and then for coaches, you should use that as your development as yeah. well. So especially for a young coach, coach some unique positions and then coach more. Go to a couple camps and you never know who's watching. I went from uh, being in that role of looking over my shoulder, trying to figure out what to do to now when I go to some of these camps, I'm looking at young coaches, I'm evaluating them, trying to get to know them, where are they from? Because maybe two or three years from now, where if we have a position open, I wanna hire that person who's doing a great job at one of those camps. Yeah. And I remember hearing that from a couple of coaches. And, and I think I've taken that away from, from those bigger camps as they're using that to evaluate young coaches and to see who really wants it or who's yeah. there to collect a paycheck. Yeah, definitely some great points there. Well, Coach, you've you've uh, shared a lot of great stuff with us here in this short period of time. When you look at all you do as a coach, what's the one thing you'd say that really gives your players the winning edge? I think it is the, the understanding that you can outwork your opponent, right? And, and that's a mind mentality and a mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, Muhlenberg, we call that our dig-in uh, mindset. And so everybody's going to lift weights and everybody's going to practice. What are we going to do that's going to be a way to outwork our opponents? And even if we're not, it's a mindset that we are. I can't, I don't know, I don't watch 
our opponent's practices. I don't have time to do that kind of stuff. But if our players believe that we are, that gives us a little bit of an edge. If it is something like every single Tuesday we go in full pads, and maybe that's not the norm. Wednesdays and Thursdays we're in uppers or just in helmets. But it doesn't matter where we've been in the playoffs or where we are in the regular season. We're going to go in full pads, and I think that adds to that mindset. We may not hit. We may not do a lot of things that you would need full pads, but your players know, okay, it's Tuesday. i got to put full pads on, and we're going to work today out there. And so I, I think that has been uh, critical to establishing uh, our, our dig-in mentality and our dig-in culture. Coach, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? On email. Uh, our, our email's on our website, so just Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N, Milne, M-I-L-N-E, at muhlenberg.edu. Uh, I think that's always a great way for everybody on there, and uh, that, that's probably the best. Uh, social media, we're active on social media, but admittedly, so is everybody else. <laughs> and so I think the accessibility of coaches on social media uh, I, I don't know how many DMs from players and prospects I have right now, and you spend your time and your assistant coach's time trying to go through there, and it seems as though when when one medium becomes really popular, something else <laughs> kind of stands out, yeah. right? We still send snail mail to our recruits because I know they're going to get it. And maybe they're not checking email, and maybe they're not going to get their direct messages, and so I think email has actually become a little bit more formal for us. And if you want to send a handwritten note, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll send you some free gear or something like that probably because <laughs> nobody sends snail mail anymore. Right. right, good points. Well, Coach, it was great to have you here. Great to meet you here and uh, appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck to you and Muhlenberg in 2023. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great.